Hello, I'm Deirdre Sotarelli, the host of the Repivot Project podcast, dedicated to giving you actionable strategies and tactics as we explore the art and science of change. We'll talk with some of the brightest minds, people who are driven to be curious, and folks who have a courageous heart as we explore the theme of transformation. Are you looking to change things up personally, launch a business, or keep your brand relevant in today's marketplace? Our guests will give you the tools to push those boundaries and to take risks. Think of them as friends you haven't met yet. Come join other fellow explorers because we believe that by creating a collective sense of purpose and by sharing tribal wisdom, we can lift one another up one episode at a time. Oftentimes, fewer words and streamlined content can send the same message, right? The message that you're trying to write, but you're too wordy about it. And if you can condense that, it can be just as powerful and oftentimes more powerful. That's Tori Webster a digital marketing expert who has a knack for storytelling and problem solving. Her company works to help brands create a strong sense of clarity, identity, and credibility. In this episode, she also talks about the one question she asked herself back in 2018 that changed her life. Welcome to the Repivot Project podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You and I have been in each other's orbit for a long period, but I'm curious. You're a dog mom. You're a partner. You're a digital nomad. Mm -hmm. You have a van life. How do you balance all of these things? That's it's a a great question. So let's put it this way. So I'm I'm a nomad that's enthusiastic about the outdoors, passionate about helping others, and focused on living this life to the fullest, which can look really different depending on which day of the week and which month of the year that you're glimpsing into my life. So sometimes it looks like high focus sprints to get work done. Sometimes it looks like taking two weeks off to go on a motorcycle trip. Balancing can be challenging for anyone. And I found that having a variety of mechanisms to help me manage and focus and do things well is is really essential. Sometimes it's a calendar or a study buddy, deadlines, goals, and more. And I, I think that the most important thing and sometimes the most challenging thing is sticking to that. You have this really full life. So being able to excel in so many different areas, whatever the tools are that you use, the tools are just the way that you implement it, but it has to be you at the end of the day, right? And all doing all of these things. Definitely. Sometimes certain mechanisms or practices work really well for other people right. and they don't work well for me. So you have to sort of navigate that, put the pieces together. And a lot of times it's trial and error. You're going to implement this new mechanism. And after one week, you're like, no, that didn't work as well as I wanted it to. Let's kind of change that and try something different. So it's, you know, you got to be sort of open to to sort of changing the plan. Right. And certain things work at certain uh work well at certain points of your life as well, too. Yeah, definitely. People used to use paper planners, for example, and now some might just use a Google Calendar. Mm-hmm. So your life takes you pretty much all over the world because I do follow you on Instagram. I, I caught the travel bug back in 2018. I was bartending on Pearl Street in Boulder, Colorado. And one day I had this random and profound question pop into my head while I was at work. And the question was, if you found out that you only had one year to live, how would you be living your life different? And so my heart responded immediately to that. And it said, well, I would be living in a van and traveling with my dog. 
The following year, I sold everything but my outdoor gear, bought a sprinter van, and converted it into a full-time camper with my own two hands. And that's really where my nomad journey began. And so since then, I've traveled across many states. I've visited over 13 national parks, and I even met my partner while on the road. Since she's a nomad from Peru, our lives just sort of fit together seamlessly. We split our time now between North and South America. When we're in the States, we travel by van. And when we're in Peru, we travel by motorcycle. So we've been all over the country of Peru, from the beach to the Andes Mountains, to the jungle, to the desert, pretty much everywhere in the United States. I'm, I'm from the East Coast, so I have done a lot of that area when I was younger. When I moved to Colorado in 2015, it was like the whole Wild West just expanded before me. And so I've, yeah. let, I've had the, the privilege to explore a lot of that and discover new places that I'm totally in love with and also weed out some places that were not so good of a fit. Sure. So, yeah, I've, I've kind of been all over. But that's what travel does. I think you know, there's some places that you go to and say, I've got to go back. I have to yeah. explore them more deeply. And there's others that you say, great, I'm thankful to have seen it, but there's so much to see. I right. need to make room for those other things, right? Yeah, absolutely. And even it can be visiting different places at different times of the year. If you go to Utah in the summer versus in the fall versus the winter, it's, it's really its own adventure depending on what time of year you visit, which I find to be fun. Obviously, I love to travel and I love to explore, but I also really love the snow. And so revisiting places while it's winter is always special too. Right. So tell me a little bit about the work that you do. So you, you've got bills to pay. So tell me a little bit about that work. And then I'd be curious to know, how does all of this travel, this really robust travel, help inform your work? So for many years, I've been passionate about writing. Telling stories is my favorite. And I discovered copywriting back in 2020, and I immediately fell in love. Words can be hard for some people, and businesses, in turn, they make blogs and web copy sort of push to the back burner. And so I support clients with just that. And in addition, my being a designer is sort of in my blood. My sister is a UX and graphic designer, whereas my mom is an interior designer. And for me, I love to design and create websites, preferably using Squarespace. I help clients align their virtual business to their physical business. More often than not, their business is booming. People love what they do. They you know, serve a community or a niche. And then when you look at their website, it doesn't always reflect that work that they do. So I love to sort of build a website that helps them show off their stuff and bring alignment between their their digital business and their or digital storefront, I guess you could say, and their their physical business. And so I feel like it it never feels good when people have a website that they're not proud of, right? They want to hide it. They don't want anyone to see it. But in this day and age, I really believe that everyone needs the website so that they can be discoverable, showcase their work, and that when someone hears about this business that does this service, the travel service, let's say, they can get a glimpse of what their work looks like, what testimonials do they have, what are people saying about them. And so I actually am finishing a website right now for an outdoor travel and leisure public relations company. And she does really good work. She works nationally and globally. And after working together and seeing what I've built, she's not only thrilled, but she's 
so excited to show it off to everyone, to send it to old clients, to prospects, really post about it on her LinkedIn and social media. I I feel a lot of reward in doing that. And obviously, I, I meet a lot of people on the road that do a lot of different things. I feel like many people weave in their their passion with their work. And so that that moment of being proud of their website and showcasing their work, I feel like that just makes everybody feel so good. So I'm probably guilty of this because I have a website. And I know exactly what you're talking about when there's a gap between the person, the brand, and the website. There's almost three things, I think. Right. There's the person, the brand, and the website. So what would be a good sort of cold water in the face question someone should ask themselves of their website? Because it's really hard, right? It's really hard to be objective about your own website. I think the the question would be is, does your website reflect the work that you do in the world? It's such a big question, right? And, and, and I'm sure that when you come up with your finished product and one of your customers looks at it, I guess you're helping them fulfill their potential. It almost sounds like that way to me, right? Yeah. In terms of how they're living their life or working their life yeah. and then the execution of the website. There's that black space that you're filling in, so to speak. Right. Definitely. And for the answer to my question of does your website reflect the work that you do in the world, sometimes it partially reflects it, right? So we need to make strategic additions to the website to create that alignment. Whereas some people, they feel like it doesn't reflect their work at all, and we need to sort of build something from scratch. So it definitely has a larger impact on some people than others, but I still think that that it's important. And for some people, maybe they're starting their business, and so they need to sort of envision where do they want to be? What kind of work do they want to do in the world? What do they want their brand to feel like? And then we create something from their vision so that when their work is booming and that website will align. Well, I think that's an important point, too. I, I do a, a saying that I'm fond of saying, which is act as if. So if someone's just launching a, a, a business, it's almost having your website be a bit of a stretch, not being inauthentic, but the aspirational piece of what you hope for yourself, right? Right. You differentiate between fluff and flow too. Oftentimes, fewer words and streamlined content can send the same message, right? The message that you're trying to write, but you're too wordy about it. And if you can condense that, it can be just as powerful and oftentimes more powerful. When I consult a client on their web copy or their website, the most common thing is that it's just too wordy. We're living in a fast-paced digital world and people are moving pretty quickly, visiting websites, skimming the content. And right. so it's also nice to be synced in your message, cutting out that fluff and sort of creating that flow where you can understand what this business does at a glance, right? You can understand their services by skimming through and not having to read massive amounts of content. And sometimes with certain content, a long-form blog is going to be the preferred way. So you can dive deeper. You can explain concepts. But on the, the website front, the website copy, it's I think that having that flow and cutting out all that extra stuff, the fluff, it always pays off. Right. So speaking of pays off, what kind of measurable results have your clients seen because of your? Some clients, they don't really care about the measurable 
results, right? They don't really care about, okay, how, where are they on the Google results? How many clicks are they getting? Where are people clicking when they visit the website? They want to focus on their site being more so a digital portfolio, right? So they don't necessarily care about those measurable results, whereas other people do. What I can say is that in all websites and blogs that I do, I focus on SEO to bring clients higher up on the search results and make them more discoverable digitally. Whether they want to measure that or not, that's sort of up to them. So explain SEO. So someone that maybe has never heard those three letters before. SEO is search engine optimization. And so basically what that means is when you uh, import a new blog or you post a new page on your website, Google is going to sort of crawl the website and pick out all of the keywords. Now, when someone, let's say you're a real estate company, and when someone goes to, to Google and they type in a search and they look for real estate stager, then Google, because they have crawled hundreds and thousands of pages from real estate and whatnot, they will sort of boil down what words are on this web page and what does their search inquiry say. And then that's when they create the search results. And, you know, you see all of these links. Some of them are sponsored ads at the top. Make sure that their website is first by figuring out what are those buzzwords that people in real estate are using for this specific thing. How can I implement them into the content in a, a fluid way where I'm not just jamming a bunch of keywords into the copy? It helps you become discoverable, helps you be higher up on the search results. Sometimes it's really competitive for businesses that they have a really good reputation. Their website link is integrated into other websites that then sort of boosts their credibility and, and has them automatically come up higher on a search result, assisting clients on being discoverable and being able to do that competitor analysis, SEO analysis, and be able to integrate all of that together. And that's why words count. Right. Word, I mean, literally and figuratively with SEO as well, too. Right. Keywords for your industry, your profession, and working with someone like yourself that understands. It sort of goes hand in hand, right? Of If there is a lot of fluff that a client initially has on their website, maybe that fluff isn't actually helpful regarding SEO. How can we not only streamline the message, condense it, but how can we include those words that will help them become discoverable? So you do this work. You're very successful at it. And you also have this thing called a van life. So mm -hmm. tell, me what, tell me what van life is like. I think, I think I should be jealous. So the first thing I want to say before I want to explain what van life is to me is obviously there's, there's a whole movement happening on social media. They have all of these picture perfect scenes at the staging of their van and what they portray their life to be on social media can oftentimes be completely different from the reality of it. They don't show the obstacles and challenges that you can ex experience on van life. They don't really show the thrill and fulfillment that it really could provide too. So to me, van life is, it's a simpler life. It's ever-changing and evolving. It's fun. It's challenging. When you live in a van, you always need to be two steps ahead. Whether you're thinking about, okay, where will I be when I need to do laundry? Do I have an important meeting coming up that I need to have a strong, reliable Wi-Fi connection for? How many days of water do I have left in the tank, et cetera? Living in a van takes a lot more effort than living in a house. 
when you're in a house, you're never going to run out of water and you almost always have hot water. In a van, you have to pay attention and schedule or make an effort to fill the water before it runs out. What am I cooking this week? How much water did that take to clean those dishes? Right. So there's a bunch of little things. Also in a van, I don't have a laundry machine. I don't have a shower in my van. So that's something I also have to put more energy and attention on. One of my favorite things about van life is that the outside landscape and location is always changing. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, we never wake up in the same place every day, Mm -hmm. which is on fresh stimulation and perspective coupled with adventure. When you're in a new town, you're going to be visiting some national parks. You don't really know where to park. Where can you find resources? And so you have to figure that out, whether that is asking around, talking with people at the gas station or whatnot, or using a lot of uh, resources online that van lifers have done, sort of crowdsourcing information. For example, okay, there are these five off-grid camping spots that we can park for free at. And someone has said, you know, this one has three bars of Verizon and there there is a bathroom, but it can be loud at night, whatnot. So you're sort of picking picking through and sorting all of this information to figure out what's going to work for you. And sometimes you make this effort to park in a new location and you get there and you're like, this isn't going to work. We've got to now put in the effort again to figure out where we should go next. There are definitely a lot of challenges and it takes more effort. But I really like it because you have to be engaged. You have to pay attention. You have to be two steps ahead. I find that the um, autopilot, so to speak, it doesn't really come on for me as much anymore because, you know, I've always got to be awake, paying attention. And in the moment, right? right? In the moment with regards to van life, what's the difference in Tory pre versus van life? Mm. That is a really good question. I had a, a few people in my life that had traveled in vans, um, but that hadn't really been full on remote traveling right. digital nomad. Um, and so I would say that because of the way that van life demands attention and needs you to be on your game, I feel like that has now influenced my life as a whole of trying to pay attention to things that are coming up. How can I be better prepared? How can I be ready to pivot or change my plan if things don't go as the way that I had initially imagined them to? So I feel like I've I've become more versatile and a little bit more malleable for yeah. different different moments in life. It's a great metaphor for life, really. And I see the pictures on Instagram with some people. It always seems sunsets and cocktails are involved. <laughs> so what I'm hearing you say is that might be part of it but it's not all of the time. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even even as far as like that metaphor goes, I think of this quote, I can't remember it exactly, but it it talks about focusing on the road ahead of you and being able to use your mirrors and know what happened, what's happening behind you or in the past, what's happening around you, but focusing on the road ahead. And most importantly, in that rear view mirror of where you have been to never forget what it has taught you, right? right? Where you have been, what that what that moment was like, or what that obstacle really showed you. I f- feel like it's it's very profound and positively impactful. But you know, it's not necessarily for everyone, right? Yeah, it takes many more steps to live in a van, and there's a lot of ease that comes with living in the house. 
having something that's consistent, having something that's stable, right? That's something that I have to sort of create, depending on where I am in the country or world, to have, okay, what does stability look like for me? How can I design that? Is it having a, a morning routine that I can do anywhere that I am that helps me kind of be ready for the day and prepare? Or maybe it's like a night ritual of how do I decompress for the day? How do I set myself up for success tomorrow? I feel like that that attention to detail has sort of come online for me more than ever. Right. I also think it would help you dealing with clients who have issues that come up at the last moment because you're used to dealing with that. You can be present for the clients, but also understand things are going to change on their end as well, too. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's it's always a unique experience when you're a freelancer and you've got to sort of define and create the scope of work. Okay, this is the project that I'm going to do. This is what it entails. And, you know, if you're wanting X, Y, and Z additional things, that will be something we have to decide after we finish the scope of work that will be an additional fee and timeline. And so sometimes that changes. You know, you're building a website. You think it looks amazing. They see a few features that they don't really like and you need to change that. So you have to sort of innovate and pivot in in a moment's notice sometimes. How do you bifurcate your time when you're on the road to say, okay, I'm Tory content creator right now, but then I'm also Tory who wants to be the traveler and enjoy where I am? Oh, yeah, definitely. So how do you do that? I, I, I'm really curious about this. I feel like it's sort of an ongoing thing, right? Because sometimes there's a certain event at a specific location and time of year that you really want to make and you have these work and deadlines and whatnot that's going on. And so you have to sort of plan ahead and also evaluate, okay, this is something that I would like to do, but I have these other things that I need to do, mm. right? And sort of sort of discerning that. And I mean, it's it's hard being your own boss sometimes, especially when you're a nomad. You're at Glacier National Park and you've got a project due in a week and a half. So you you can adventure in the morning and then go and sort of focus and sprint for two days on your project. And then you can go back into nature. And sometimes when things take longer than estimated, you have to miss out on a few things that you really wanted to do. And so I feel like navigating that can can be different based on location, based on the project, time of year, all of that stuff. And also, of course, the unknown that comes up. Maybe it's health things. And then you right. really change your whole plan and what's going on. So is it a fair thing to say that you kind of follow the sun? So Northern Hemisphere, one season, so to speak. And Southern. <laughs> is that true? Could that be the title of this podcast episode? I know, right? But, well, so it's funny that you say that because last year was the year of winter. I was in the United States for winter. And then when it was starting to turn into spring that we went to Peru which was actually turning into winter. And then as Peru winter was ending, we came back here for the ski season. And this year, it's the year of summer. So sort of inverse, right? So the beginning of the year, I was in Peru. It was hot. It was summertime. We came back to the States in July. We enjoyed it until the end of October, which of course, it starts cooling down a little bit. And now in in two weeks, we're going to be heading back down to Peru and it's going to be summer. It depends, again, on what's going on and and what we need to prioritize. It wasn't really intentional to have a year of winter and a year of summer, but sometimes it works out that way. Yeah, that sounds pretty sweet to me. So a typical client engagement, how does that unfold? 
we'll get into the details if someone wants to get in touch with you. But just in terms of if someone is saying, I really like where Tori's head is at in terms of creating content, how would that interaction evolve? I do a lot of networking. There are some really phenomenal Facebook groups for digital nomads, people that work specifically in the outdoor industry or the travel industry. And so sometimes that looks like combing through the the Facebook page and seeing what people are talking about or their problems, obstacles, and sort of responding to that, supporting them. Um, Other times it's posting about my services and what I do on those websites and them sort of finding me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's it's about referrals, right? Right, you, word of mouth. You, yeah, you create a really awesome website for for one client who is in a specific industry and they really like what you did and their coworker sees their website and they're, they want to know where you got that done and they, w- they would like one too. But usually it's some type of, whether it's a w- written inquiry or we'll sort of have a 30-minute discovery call to talk about, okay, what is it that you need? And why? What What are your goals? What are your visions? What are your needs? And sort of seeing if, if I can support them in that or not. And if I can, what does that look like moving forward? Have you ever said no to a client? Maybe not no, but maybe because you would never probably be that abrupt. But you, you, <laughs> I know. you tell them no, but in a nice way where they would say thank you, Tori. So a few times that it's happened to me when a client has reached out and they've had a specific need. Sometimes I know someone that specializes in that area that I think could support them better. Sometimes I have too much on my plate and I'll say, hey, I would love to help you, but I wouldn't be able to help you until X amount of weeks later and they need it done sooner than that. So yeah, it can, it can sort of look different, but usually I try to take in the the people that align with me well. Sometimes you have clients and it sounds like it's going to be good and you get started on their project and they are just on your back or they, you know, right. are trying to go outside of the scope of work continuously. And so you have to sort of manage that. And when you finish the project, you sometimes you feel like you don't really want to support that client in future endeavors. And other times, you know, you want to work with a client forever. So it 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 changes a lot. Right. But those clients, you know, I have had clients like that too in my career. You even them you learn a lesson from. You could you're learning about them, but you're also learning about yourself too. And in terms of your own brand value proposition, getting tighter on your own brand value proposition, I, I would suggest too. Yeah, definitely. And for me, since I'm a nomad and I'm an outdoor enthusiast, it would only make sense that I work in the outdoor and travel industry. Right. I've really been trying to um, sink my teeth into that niche a little bit more because it it feels so good, right? Not only allowing me to support them and make their dreams come true, to feel fulfilled in my own work, but that I'm I'm genuinely interested in it. So work doesn't really feel as much like work sometimes right. when that's the case. Well, and you're you're walking the talk. I mean, you're authentic. So you know when someone's coming to you about their business in a related field, you've been there. So right. you can really articulate it well. Yeah, definitely. So if five-year-old Tori were sitting next to you in the van looking up at you now, and she said, Tori, what lesson have you learned that you would like to impart with me now? How would that conversation unfold in the van with five-year-old Tori? I think, first of all, I, I imagine her being fascinated and in disbelief. Like, wow, where are we going now? This is your life? This is so cool. I'm having so much fun. I feel like she would be really enthusiastic and, and thrilled about it. 
And as far as a lesson goes, I think that I would tell her about following that whisper that you have inside of you, whether it's about a hobby that you're interested in or studying a particular subject so you can end up in one specific niche in business or, or in your life and seeing what works well for you rather than doing what your parents want you to do or what society wants you to do or what your friend thinks you should do. But it's, it's really important to follow that whisper because it's never going to go away. Right. You know, you ignore it as much as you want, but it's not going to go away. And so I think that profound question that I had working back in 2018 of, how would you be living your life right now if you had one year left to live? The answer was the whisper, right? And so I feel like I would want to sort of instill that in her and inspire her to, to try things out, to be curious, to see what makes you feel alive and light you up. Ampl amplify the whisper. I think that's great because it, we all have the whisper. Yeah. Right? Of course. It comes from your heart. And then sometimes society says drown out that whisper yep and you listen to your whisper Tori. yeah and you know sometimes it, it comes in different forms even now right. if it's about exploring a particular place or having this goal or fantasy of writing my my own book and starting my own podcast about this lifestyle and what i do and how i do it and so i i find it interesting even year after year it's like okay how can i like you said, amplify the whisper and, and get closer to that and really be in alignment with everything that I am and, and want to become. You gave me a picture in my mind of five-year-old Tori looking up at you in the van with a big, bright smile on her face. <laughs> Maybe she was fidgeting with some of the nods on the dashboard <laughs> and rolling down the window. Yep. She, she was very proud. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely thrilled. We get to a mountain overlook in Washington state and we're setting up camping chairs and getting ready to make a fire. She would probably make sure that we have the ingredients to make s'mores. You got that. <laughs> Definitely. She would be totally thrilled. Well, it's been great talking with you, Tori. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me on and being so interested as well as supportive. You've, you've been such a good ally in and support with my journey. So so thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tori. And if people want to get a hold of you, how can they do that? I'm on social media. I'm on both Facebook and Instagram, as well as LinkedIn. If you want to catch a glimpse of what my nomad look life looks like, then Instagram would definitely be the place for that. I am at underscore Tori Webster, and that's Tori with an I. That is my handle on all platforms. So I'm pretty easy to find in that way. All right. And I'll make sure that those go in the show notes as well. Thanks Excellent. again, Tori. Thank you so much for having me, Deirdre. Until next time. And if you know someone whose business is focused on the art or science of change, or if you know someone who's had a big pivot in their life, I'd love to talk with them. So drop me a note at Deirdre, that's D-E-I-R-D-R-E, -R -R -E, at repivotproject.com. See you next time.